0: You are now listening to The Oliver Manolese Show. Hey everyone, hope you're doing well. I am your host, Oliver Manolese, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Oliver Manolese Show. In the show, we get to hear from entrepreneurs, coaches, authors, speakers, and my job is to uncover the insights and tools they used to create power and possibility during the breakdowns and breakthroughs of their lives. Before we meet our guests, I want to share with you my weekly newsletter, Oliver's Picks. Each week, I devour tons of articles, videos, podcasts, books, you name it, and I curate the newsletter so it's filled with the most impactful stuff straight into your inbox. Get your hit of inspiration every single Friday, sign up at olivermanalise.com forward slash picks. As well, I'm an ontological coach and I guide leaders in aligned reinvention. If you know anyone with personal or professional projects that are seeking their growth edge, or perhaps that person is you, I'd love the opportunity to connect for a complimentary session. We will go deep and you'll walk away with powerful insights and actions to take. No hard sell. If you're a match for one of my programs or not, I really don't care. I'm interested in finding more ways to support you. Head over to olivermanalise.com for more information. And finally, speaking of support, I am here requesting yours. If you get value from the show, please share it on the social media. And to get the show more visibility, please head on over to iTunes, give us a five-star rating, and write us a review. Your support is greatly appreciated. Today my guest is quickly becoming one of the world's leading experts in stress and anxiety. He is the anxiety revolutionary himself, Tim JP Collins. I've known Tim for years and have witnessed his incredible growth and in many ways he is a huge source of inspiration in starting this podcast. If you don't know Tim, Tim is a host of The Anxiety Podcast. You should definitely check it out. He sh- he interviews people with stories everyone can relate to that are raw, real and vulnerable. He is a highly sought speaker on the topic of anxiety and injects humor and authentic stories from his own life into his speaking. As an anxiety coach, Tim believes that when we are out of alignment in our lives, the more anxiety and stress will show up. He is the creator of the Anxiety Journal, a book designed to to get people to reflect and redesign their lives one day at a time. In this episode, we talk about the origin of our anxiety, Tim's panic attack that changed everything, how alignment impacts anxiety, the importance of self-care and taking time out for yourself, and so much more. I am really, really excited to share this interview with you all. Tim is open, genuine, and so generous with his stories and insights. I know you'll love this episode and get a ton from it. Let's all give it up for Tim J.P. Collins. All right. I am here with the anxiety revolutionary, the man himself, Tim J.P. Collins. Thank you so much for coming on the show, brother. I love it. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited because uh, I get to interview you and you are one of the people who inspired me, encouraged me when it comes to, to podcasting and just witnessing your growth and your evolution. It's, uh, it's definitely something that drives me and I'm sure a lot of people.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. I'm uh yeah, I can't I can't help myself, but um I I have a lot of ideas and my wife kind of enables me and she's like, "Yeah, you should go for it." So, um I I do a lot of stuff.
0: <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely. I'm I'm interested in finding out about now that you've been exposed to a lot of different guests on your podcast and have been coaching people and doing retreats and speaking what's like your if you're going to check the pulse of the world from your perspective or you know get a temperature read what's the state of the world as it pertains to anxiety and mental health as as you see it well uh, i mean there's so much to talk about there's so much to cover but one
1: thing i will point out is that at my one of my recent retreats i did in san diego i thought it was fascinating how I went into it with a lot of preparation. I got all my questions ready. I got all the the layout and the format as you do to be professional and prepared. (laughs) And a couple of surprising things happened. The first one was, is that I was like infinitely ready. Like I went into it thinking, I'm not sure if I can do this and what if they don't like it? And what if I run out of things to say? Um, and the truth was, is that when I was, actually got there on the day and just showed up and was available and present for the people that's all I needed to do the rest of it almost effortlessly took care of itself because I've been practicing for years essentially um yeah I love and the, that and the, and, the, and the second so that was like confirmation that I'm on the right track like that was a, I've I've felt that a few times in the work that I do and that was a big one where I was like I'm doing exactly what I should be doing in the world mm. and I felt super connected to my purpose at that time.
0: And what was the second thing?
1: The second thing was that we didn't talk about anxiety like it was called <laughs> the, the the it was called the More Life retreat um and you know my tagline for my podcast, my business is Less Anxiety, More Life. So it's called the More Life Retreat. And we didn't talk about breathing techniques. We didn't talk about elaborate tapping and distractions. And and the thing that it reminded me of was the fact that having anxiety is just a human condition. And in fact, we all have it to some extent. We Mm -hmm. all show up somewhere on a spectrum because we are designed as human beings to be afraid. It's what keeps us alive. It's what makes you show up for work. It's what makes you get some food when you're hungry, those anxious feelings of starving, right? So the interesting thing was is that, you know, at a top level, it's a human condition. And then when you get into the conversations with people, the thing which causes the anxiety the origin is in people's stories it's the it's the stuff that we love talking about it's kind of you know where are the difficult conversations in your life that you need to have or what's holding you back that you need to let go of um and so it was really digging deeper into people's stories and understanding them and kind of extracting those key things from people and then very respectfully sharing them in our group environment to help that individual through it um but yeah i just i sat there doing a kind of post-mortem with my wife and kind of in the in the glow of how successful it was and just saying we didn't we didn't really talk about anxiety which was kind of weird but also kind of beautiful because it means that um we were dealing with like We were dealing with the origin of the disalignment, not the manifestation of it, which happens to be, in this case, anxiety.
0: Mm -hmm. And um, I'm curious if the the effortlessness that you found when being with these people, as I mean, you had all this material prepared, but you kind of went went off of what they were going through and where the conversation led, it sounds like. Mm. How does that affect you? you, Because I know sometimes, for me, if I feel like something is way too easy i I kind of make the mistake with myself that oh it's it's not worth as much like it's not as valuable because i didn't work my my butt off preparing or making this perfect uh did you find that 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 was the case for you at all or
1: no i think it's because like i mean at this point i've done 190 episodes of my podcast so and i've interviewed you know half of those have been interviews with other people so i've been practicing for years and um, that's the, the disconnect for me was thinking that, Oh, I need to relearn all this stuff. Cause it's a retreat. It's not a podcast interview or it's not one-on-one coaching. But the truth is, is it's all part of the same machine. It's all part of the same stuff. So it doesn't matter if it's talking to you or interviewing somebody else or doing a one-on-one coaching engagement or a retreat. Like my knowledge is my knowledge. And I've, I've cultivated that through just having a, you know, well, initially, I suppose the, the the early stage, which we can talk about if you want, is that I, I needed to find a way to fix myself. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing that will drive a man to find out information more than a severe amount of pain in their lives. Um, and so that was my initial driver was like fix my own problem. And then once I'd done that, it was like, wow, this is like I feel like I know things which aren't mainstream and i should be talking about them
0: Mm -hmm. yeah so you have the you have the wisdom and the insight it's already kind of in your body and you've you've been preparing this your your whole life every single conversation every single talk and session and and interview you have you have that life experience and that and that preparation it sounds like Mm. And that's not to say in the future, I won't prepare. I just, mm-hmm. I will prepare and I will put the
1: effort and I will think of different exercises and I will think of different ways to get into people's stories, but with the understanding and with the belief that it's going to be fine.
0: Yeah. So what are, what are you excited about most right now? You have a lot of things on the go. Um, what, what, are, what are you excited about right now for the next six months, 12 months? Yeah, I mean,
1: just um, one of the reasons I've had some success with what I'm doing is that I've stayed focused and I've stayed committed to my core theme, um, and that is around anxiety and stress. It's around my own story, working in a high-pressure work environment caused me to have anxiety, uh, you know, first stress probably and then ignored for long enough, that turned into anxiety. Mm. And so I've been surrounding myself with Fantastic people like you, um, and and every time I said, oh, maybe I should uh, become more of a generalist and just be a general life coach and talk about other things, and people are like, no, you're actually like building this speciality as an expert in your field. You should really mm-hmm. stick with it because that's what's making you stand out. And so my goal has become over time has become to I want to be known as the go-to person in anxiety and stress in what I talk about in my specialist field. And so I know a lot of entrepreneurs listen to your show because you're an entrepreneur as well. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I would say to them, if you're looking to get into something as Seth Godin, who's, you know, a marketing expert that I read and listen to a lot says, um, pick the smallest possible niche you can think of, um, and, and start with that. And so clearly mental health, anxiety and stress isn't really a small niche because we all suffer to some extent but um it's it's a niche nonetheless and one which i i just love i love talking about overcoming adversity i love talking about overcoming fear there's just such primal human traits that we all experience um that everybody can relate
0: yeah yeah and I'd say you're, you're well on your way. You're, uh, you're getting the recognition. People are coming to you. You are, you are becoming the go-to guy. And mm. uh, I, from the, from the outside looking in, we experience you as holy crap. T- Tim J.P. Collins is on fire. He is, he is really growing. And finally, you know, the, the message is being spread and it's, uh, it's, it's really inspiring to see. Mm. yeah i love it and one of the in terms of what i'm
1: excited about so i'm excited about everything Um, i love where i live i'm excited about my family i'm excited about being able to get out of bed and and talk to people and and be able to play even a small part in them changing their lives to feel Mm -hmm. better that's so as an absolute privilege to be able to do that and derive an income from it is amazing um so i'm you know i've got another retreat coming up in june i'm doing lots of one-on-one coaching because i love rolling my sleeves up and just Getting in there with people. Um, The other, the other part of my story, which I'm kind of going back to, and also starting to work with with businesses on, is that um, I came. You know, my anxiety started in the workplace, um, and I've been working. A lot with individuals. And one of the things I'm start, beginning to do now and with a few small companies is doing some stress and anxiety in the workplace type uh, sessions or workshops or whatever you want to call them, where I will go into a small company and say, hey, give me 10 of your employees and a day off site. And I'll, you know, and again, it's like, it's the same conversation. It's just a different origin. It's a different insertion point into, you know, where is the stress in your life? you know, have you considered looking at, you know, starting with the basics, diet um, from a nutritional point of view, exercise, meditation, your relationship with yourself. And so helping people to to uh, unravel some of the stuff which kind of upsets them. And, mm. and so, you know, for me, if it's sometimes in the workplace, and sometimes with individuals, then so be it. I just think it's uh, another part of my story, which I kind of I don't know, maybe it's been difficult for me to go back there because that was where it all started for me. Like a, remi- um, like
0: a r- reminder. I mean, that's your origin story.
1: Yeah. Um, and so anyway, with just kind of remaining, keeping the focus, um, i just decided now that going back to the workplace is, is an important one to start the conversation.
0: Yeah, especially when it's the one of the biggest causes for you, when it, it, it built this thing for you, and it's kind of uh, propelled you into this direction in a way. yeah absolutely i mean it's it's kind of
1: what kicked me off is what got me started and um i'm you know I think there's a lot of people you know and the driver behind everything I do is that um can I share my experiences to to help people along the path yeah. if that's beneficial then they'll they'll kind of engage me to do some work with them and I absolutely believe that if somebody had come into the business I worked at. Seven or eight years ago and said, we're going to take you off site, Tim, to have a chat about your life and some of the stresses and let you know that Hmm. maybe what you're experiencing is very normal, Um, I would have potentially had a different outcome.
0: I'd be interested to hear with everything that you're up to right now because I, this show, what I'm really interested in is maybe it's a conversation that uh, needs to be had with uh, with more and more people. It's like we have these inspiring and influential people such as yourself and uh, from the outside looking in, we we might not necessarily stop and think – they have breakdowns and they have challenges as well we we sometimes don't don't kind of connect those dots so i'd be interested in in with the fact that you are growing at this rate and you are so focused and you have this niche and, and you are uh so open and vulnerable about uh, about your story i'd be curious to know what kind of challenges you're facing as you grow? Or do you, do you have breakdowns? Do you have fears? And, and does that anxiety still still show up or maybe in different ways? Yeah, absolutely. I love
1: talking about this stuff. So um, <laughs> Good. Uh, anxiety for me, kind of at one of the fundamental levels that I engage with it is a reflection of the alignment in my life. Um, and so if you take away the exercise that I do and you strip away my access to quality food and good relationships and a nice place to sleep Mm -hmm. and doing work that I enjoy, then anxious Tim comes back again. I've been there. I've tested it. It's, (sighs) it's, I'm a sensitive person. I'm fundamentally a sensitive person, meaning that I want people to like me. I care what people think. And I think I, you know, people with anxiety, sensitive folk just tend to feel a lot. We just, we can Mm -hmm. sense what's going on in a room or a conversation. And so, um, that's not to say like, I never break from my regimen because, you know, I do sometimes have a few too many glasses of wine and get a little bit drunk and wake up with a bit of a headache. Um, but, but in isolation, individual things like that won't throw me off. But if the next day I was like, you know what, fuck it, I'm going to go to McDonald's, I'm going to skip the gym, I'm going to, you know, just let everything go, then over time that would mm-hmm. become a problem for me. So for me it's about, um, and one of the other beautiful things in this conversation is that if you look at Stephen Pressfield, the art of war yeah. and the uh, the resistance is that every time I get to another level of competence in my ability to to do a podcast interview? I mean, listen, when I f- the irony is, when I first started doing the anxiety podcast, I was shitting it. I was <laughs> I was sweating on the first interview I did. My hands were shaking. Um, I, I just felt very uh, very out of sorts and kind of scraped through. But now, you know sometime later and a lot of practice later and i feel very very competent um i'm not nervous before i get on the phone with people uh, as much there is still some there if i'm speaking to a big name or it's yeah. a lot of preparation um but one of the things which is so important is that um and uh, a, a, another seth Godin quote i'm i'm into seth at the moment but he says that in our lives we should use Fear as a compass as to what we should move towards, huh. not away from.
0: Move towards the fear.
1: Move towards the fear. So in my life, every time I've had this insurmountable monster, which has been making my stomach churn and my head throb and my heart race, um, if I if I've known. I believe there's a difference between intuition and fear. And so sometimes if you sit with that and you actually listen to it, you know in your heart that if you could break through it, it would be fantastic for you to do. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, I go back to speaking because I've, I've had panic attacks on stage before. But if you if somebody asked you to do a speaking event, which was important for you and you cared about the cause and it was speaking your truth and speaking your message, but you were just too afraid to do it, Then, at some point, breaking through that and saying, "I'm going to do it anyway, even if I fail, I'm still going to do it," Um, because that's where we build and cultivate um, real confidence. And um, another person I know you you uh, like a lot is James Altucher, and he he put a quote out fairly recently, I think, which said something about something along the lines of like being brave when you're most scared is the best hack. (laughs) um and and uh yeah and uh, i'm trying to get him on my podcast i've i i actually messaged him the other day and he responded specifically around that quote basically saying it's it's the truth which is and it's the truth to kind of further play with that a little bit is because if you're really scared and you do something anyway that's when you get the most um actual self-created self-cultivated confidence
0: yeah and um, it's almost like that that fear is like lifting the weight off the ground when you're working out it's like you do have that resistance and mm. you're moving towards it and you're just be you're being courageous or, or brave enough to just act anyways to just move forward anyways um, Absolutely. I, I wanted to go back yep. to you said that you had you you care about what people think of you and that was uh, in a way that kind of leads to some of the anxiety uh, you have a lot more exposure now. So a lot of a lot of listeners, uh speaking, being in front of people. Uh do, do you does that come up now that it, does it magnify because you are so much more public?
1: Yeah, I mean so obviously the the the, the possibility of of uh being upset by that is much higher, but my yeah. um you know, as Tim Ferriss would say, I've kind of like self- I've had this kind of self inoculation process where I've <laughs> exposed myself to it so much um, that it just doesn't bother me as much anymore because i've I have had public you know failures or mistakes or things go wrong and you know i think because of what I talk about is is a very vulnerable topic anyway um, I think it actually adds color to the story so i don't i don't fear mm. Fear failure as like, oh my god, it's going to ruin my business. I'm like, in a weird, twisted, and backwards way, I'm like, actually, if I fuck this up, people are going to think it's kind of cool.
0: (laughs) It's going to be, it's going to be a great story. It's going to be, yeah, yeah. Um, So when it comes to the the work that you're doing, did you did you ever face uh, criticism or judgment or anything online where where you're like, where it caused maybe self-doubt or fear or or is i mean because you say it, like you, you've exposed yourself you've self-inoculated uh, by doing it so often you're kind of you're, you're not as sensitive to it mm. so th- in the beginning did you have some of that happening where people were people uh you know sending you emails or like who do you think you are or anything like that yeah i mean
1: i got some of that i've had emails from people saying you're not a doctor you shouldn't even be talking about this stuff mm. um particularly when i talk about pharmaceutical drugs medication and your um, opinions that, on it my opinions on it that really gets people going um for reasons we can talk about or not if you want um so yeah i've had some some negative feedback um but i've also had you know a, an overwhelmingly much bigger um, amount of positive feedback Incredible, from people who said yeah. you know yeah you you should absolutely keep doing this it's making a huge difference and so you know that i, I do you do give the negative feedback maybe a bit too much attention from time to time but uh, at this point I'm way too far in for it to stop me Great. um I just see it as like you know the the I do believe I don't believe in being polarizing for marketing reasons but I do mm. believe I do believe in if you if I'm actually speaking my truth then there are going to be uh an amount of people who don't agree with that
0: yeah it's just naturally polarizing Um, so what, what would you say is something that's bringing up fear for you now? Like what's a direction or maybe a project or an opportunity or possibility that, that brings up some of that fear where like, that's going to be your, your next growth edge.
1: Mm. Um, I think, you know, for me, there's still, resides some in, in the speaking from the point of view that I just recently did a a bigger speaking event for myself. And as a result of that got asked to do now a couple of bigger ones than that. So (laughs) that, um, that is, you know, it's a a great example of where there is some fear and some trepidation around it. But I also know that, um, the amount of engagement I get from people after I've done a talk and shared my story, uh, I feel like it's so important that it's really not up to me and that I kind of am obliged to do it. Like I, I just want to do it now. Yeah. Um, and so that's been a shift in my own confidence, whereas before I would have, you know, I remember, you, obviously you've had Philip McKernan on your podcast and, and um, Philip asked me to speak at his One Last Talk event and mm-hmm. I think he sent me a voice note because I remember listening to it and just thinking, oh my God. Um, and literally, literally from every day, from when I got that message until the day I spoke, I was very, very anxious about it. Well, to the point where I was like, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to even get through this. I don't know if I can even do it on the day. Um, and on the day turned out it was okay. Yeah. And was that
0: before, um, uh, you began doing the anxiety coaching or is that like no, right, no, that in the, was still, right in the beginning?
1: Right in the early days of early. that. Yeah. Okay. early days when I was still, you know, and I talk on my podcast very publicly about speaking with something that was difficult for me. But again, it's, um, you know, now, now that I've kind of really been fearless when I've been most scared, I know that even in my, even in the, in the toughest moments, I can still, you know, be there and show up. And, you know, two weekends ago, whenever I did my most recent one, it just felt like, it felt effortless in terms of I was just telling my story and, uh, and and sharing that with people. And I stopped making it about me and wow. how I felt and just making it about, like, what's the best possible way to convey my message? Um, and it turns out the best possible way is to be animated and mm. make it amusing and make it engaging for people. And that's kind of what makes it better for me, too. Yeah. So. Yeah,
0: and so and so for some of the people who are listening, who might not ever uh, have not labeled it as as anxiety, but maybe they might experience those types of symptoms or situations, and, and they might not kind of th- they won't might not think of it as they they were having a panic attack or anything like that. Uh, what's it like inside of those experiences when you're having those those kinds of breakdowns? Because I, I know for myself, sometimes I see people on the outside, and you can't necessarily tell that they're having anxiety or having a panic attack it's so, so much of an internal experience yeah um, i would love for you to share what yours is
1: yeah i mean i think um but i often get asked the question what is anxiety or what's my definition of it and for me it's kind of like you know stress can be useful stress helps us hit deadlines it helps us show up on time it helps us do lots of things um anxiety is kind of like um when stress gets to a point or or just in and of itself, it's when it's just unreasonable. So you're thinking about things which are going to happen far into the future, which you have no control over today. Um, and the, the what-if scenarios tend to tend to go off all over the place. Um, so yeah, for me, that, for, and for a lot of people, it is internal. Um, and a lot of people probably would never listen to my podcast because it's called the Anxiety Podcast. But yeah. back to my... Back to my original point is the truth is is that um, we all we all have it within us and we're much better off in terms of doing work we love and having engaging relationships and, and really living our lives to the fullest if we take the time to get to know it instead of trying to bypass it. Um, some people out in, out there in the world have the ability to bypass anxiety. They just kind of like tuck it to the side and 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 kind of. Move on through, and it never gets bad enough to give them a panic attack. It just might be like a low level, you know, feeling of not full connection. But if, if when the opportunity is when it shows up, if we say, Right, I'm, you know, I love the word curious. So if I'm curious yeah. about this feeling and actually spend some time hanging out with it, what's the message? Why is this happening now? And it could be sometimes it's really simple it's like you didn't eat today and four (laughs) o'clock in the afternoon you idiot and like oh yeah of course it's just trying to keep me alive um or it could be that you didn't sleep well because you had a couple of glasses of wine um or it could be that there's a, a project at work and you're responsible for it and it's not going very well so there's there's those simple things which we often forget when we're in the middle of them um and then sometimes you know it it could be you, that you need to be curious about the bigger picture, um, in that, you know, I've been in this job for 20 years and I'm not sure it's for me. Mm-hmm. Right.
0: The curiosity piece is a, it's, it's a healthy question to, to almost live in as opposed to trying to suppress it or get rid of it or avoid it. Absolutely. Was, yeah. was, was there a stretch of time? So before you had your, your ultimate, uh, breakdown, what what was this did you have a stretch of time where you were avoiding it where you didn't didn't know what it was or you weren't being mm. curious like it was kind of just like subtle and then growing you know was that was that your experience
1: absolutely like if i if I met Tim Collins of twenty ten um, yeah. I would have met somebody who externally looked like they had their shit together that <laughs> everything looked fine and they're living in a big house in the country and friendly chap and all the rest of it but internally there was a struggle going on um, which wasn't in the early stages wasn't um debilitating and therefore i ignored it that's what we do we did you we say struggle to... yeah
0: and what, what was the struggle
1: um the struggle was is that um you know the struggle was in in lots of areas um, i was doing a job which i i didn't really care about um now i like the people um, most of them, uh, I didn't care about the product or the business or the philosophy or the ethics or any of that stuff. And so to do that for like a significant amount of your life, eight hours every day, and even more than that, cause I had a mobile phone, um, there's a cost associated with doing something which you don't agree with. Um, and you were the VP so,
0: of sales. So yeah. the, if you don't believe in the product and the philosophy, how did that, how did that, how did that impact you?
1: Well it just meant that I was basically living a lie and i wouldn't have i wouldn't have i wouldn't have recognized that at the time because i was I was raised in a culture which was like just make as much money as possible who cares about the outcome of anything else and so yeah it was like how much money did I get paid this month? Oh, I made twenty grand well that's pretty good mm-hmm. and then you just and then you just move on um and so there was that there was you know my wife uh I asked her once – I said to her in the last couple of years at some point, I said, I'm not drawn to alcohol as much as I used to be. It used to be like I used to plan what craft beers I was going to drink on the weekend and what bottles of wine I was going to buy and would build my trips around breweries and distilleries and all this shit. And now I do still drink occasionally and but you know, I'm pretty boring these days. It seems like when <laughs> I do – even when I do, I'm like, am I enjoying this? I don't know if I'm overthinking it but – it used to be like every Friday night would be like a competition to see how much I could drink. And then every Saturday night, th- the same. Um, and we kind of sat down and talked about this one day and, and came to the realization it's just because I didn't like my life. So that was my escape. Alcohol was my escape to yeah. like not have to feel those feelings. I could numb them out for like a, f- a few hours of an evening and, and just forget about it.
0: Yeah. Would you, would you, did you see any ways that this leaked into other areas of your life? So the dissatisfaction around work, did it, did it find its way into relationship, into health, into your family? Um,
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's all connected. You know, like I said, if I went back to, if I had a a new client today and, and I do very often because a lot of the people we attract end up being similar versions of, of our past selves, um, you know, I was drinking too much, I was eating too much. I was trying to outwork a bad diet, which doesn't work. I tried it for a lot of time a long time <laughs> um yeah i wasn 't connected in my relationships i didn 't have great friends I had friends I was friends with people who I thought were would predominantly would be like cool additions or would get me somewhere in the world or could add value to me, but not people that I just wanted to be with because of who they were um and so, yeah, it was it was manipulative in a in an unconscious way. I was manipulating situations, and and no congruency in my life across the board.
0: And, and tell us about how it started to build up to the point where you were you were in that conference room.
1: Yeah, so um, you know, I did what most people do, which is you know, I bought the house I could afford, not the house I needed. <laughs> Um, which means I ended up I ended up with this five-acre property out in Orangeville with this big house and all this stuff to maintain. Um, one of my favorite quotes um, from the film Fight Club, what you own owns you. And, yeah. and by that point, I had a lot of stuff owning me. And so my boss, you know, what sales numbers are you going to do this month? And then my wife and kids at home saying – When are you coming home tonight or ever? Um, And so I gradually started to feel this kind of pull from different directions. And often, as is the case for the individual in this situation, you feel like you're just running around like a chicken with his head cut off trying to appease everybody. You're just trying to hold your shit together and get through the day and be like, right, if I can hit my work target, get home by 7, tuck the kids in bed, you know, then sit down with my wife and have some quality time. And and so, yeah, everything, you just can't maintain that. And so that's, you know, what happened to me. And then, and then the stress starts to build when you can't keep all the plates spinning. Mm -hmm.
0: And what was the self image at that time? Like, how did you view yourself? And what was your relationship to yourself at that time?
1: Um, Not very good. I mean, I kind of felt like um, I felt like at any moment, somebody was going to knock on the door and be like, "Hi, Tim. We've realised that you're a fake and a fraud oh. and full of shit, and we're going to have to take away all your money and your cars and your house, and you know, and uh, and that will be that." Which is why, when I did have the panic attack and the ang- ensuing anxiety, it uh. sort of compounded it because it was like it was a feeling I already had; I was just being suppressed.
0: So that, so that, that idea of, uh, you living a lie and being a fraud and kind of being found out, that was, that was kind of like over your shoulder for a while.
1: Yeah, it was, I mean, I, I maybe connect the dots looking backwards, but, um, certainly for a long time, I always remember in my sales job, I always felt like the youngest person there. (sighs) Um, I always felt like the most junior person, even when I was the VP of sales, I still felt like I was junior and, I think it's because, you know, I just never really felt like I deserved it. And I was constantly waiting to be found out. And uh, those things really stuck with me.
0: Mm-hmm. So share with us the the moment that this all kind of came to a head.
1: Yeah, so um, it's pretty dramatic, which makes for a good story. So um, <laughs> I... I had, um, traveled from Toronto to London on a plane to go and meet a a new business partner and do a, you know, sales pitch to their sales team and an introduction and all that kind of stuff. And, um, this is a period of my life where I was, you know, self medicating with drinking too much and numbing things out. And, um, Mm -hmm. I got off the plane and today I would go to my hotel and have a few cups of tea and watch TV and eat a good dinner before, a. Doing something where I had to be on, but back in those days, it would be a case of going out and getting ship faced um, drinking as much as possible, and that was kind of like a badge of honor was the fact that you could go out and drink and then get up the next day and do, still do the show. Um, a lot of people are and, living
0: that way right now
1: yeah exactly and and I was one of them i was I was all in and um so I went out that night, drank too much, woke up in the morning, went to Starbucks, got a double espresso, got on the train. Went to my meeting and I stood up at the front of this room and had uh, this experience where I felt like I was having a heart attack. Um, that's the best way to explain it. My heart was sort of skipping beats. I started to sweat. Um, I was experiencing vertigo where the room was kind of felt like it was moving and I couldn't balance. Um, and just a huge downpouring of of shame because I'm sat I'm stood at the front of the room next to a projector and there's just a room full of people like staring at me waiting for me to start and you know you know what it's like in these work environments they didn't probably didn't want to be there anyway they got them um, yep. external partner coming in to present on a product they don't care about and so um yeah now looking back in hindsight I was having a full on panic attack um but that wasn't in my vernacular at the time I knew something you know quickly knew that it wasn't a heart attack because I hadn't dropped to the ground um and, and nothing seriously health-wise had happened but I was very very shaken and went out of the room went into the the washroom and splashed some water on my face and eventually um now I look back on this as quite a courageous move but eventually I went back in the room and said look guys uh I don't know what happened um i don't feel particularly well but i'm going to do this anyway and um if it's all right with you i'm going to do it sitting down because i can't stand at the moment my legs are shaking too much wow um so
0: you actually you, you kind of admitted that you weren't feeling well in front of these st- st- were they pretty much just strangers because you were pitching them? yeah or? i didn't know them i didn't yeah. know them
1: but i had this like weird um it was like uh in the film liar liar where i couldn't lie <laughs> it was like this weird honesty couldn't lie s- <laughs> Serum, like I, 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 always joke and and tell this joke where I should have just said, listen, guys, I had a bad curry last night, and uh, <laughs> you know I got the old gastro problems going on, which is a very common excuse in England. Um, but no, I couldn't. But I don't know. know. I was just, I was so raw in that moment that I just couldn't fabricate any more bullshit. I was so, so, um, like a child, you know, like a. Yeah like a child when you've, when you when you've just got nothing apart from the truth. And so, um, I didn't say anxiety cause I, I really didn't know what had happened. I was just saying, I don't mm. know what's wrong with me and I'll, I'll try and continue, but and that was kind like of it like, was
0: a, a, like a genuine and authentic glimpse. Like that was mm. like a moment did, did you feel like that was maybe the first time in a while that you kind of, you were, you were that authentic?
1: Um, uh, not at that moment you know in reflection yeah in reflection reflection, yes in that moment i was just trying to like not collapse literally um
0: was there an inner dialogue during that uh trying (laughs) trying not to collapse
1: yeah i mean i I, i've i kind of had two inner dialogues one is like how do i survive this moment with these people um how do i just like get through this and get out and the other was the other track that's playing is then the catastrophizing track which is like now you're going to lose your job. Now they actually did find out, and you know you're going to have to sell the house and take the kids out of private school and blah 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 and undo all of the stuff that you've created. Um, so I was going, yeah, I was going 100 miles an hour on that side of things.
0: Mm-hmm. And so in so many ways, like that was that was a moment where something was was ending and something new was beginning for you. It was like a new beginning.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, would that lead, know, what did that
0: lead into next?
1: Well, that, so that, that was a long day of uh, pain. And I think suppressed pain from years of burying it came out. That, I remember that night laying on my hotel bed and crying for a long time for many hours and just thinking about ending it all and what it was going to look like when everybody found out. And, you know, that's what you do with anxiety is you tend to go all the way down the rabbit hole um the truth is is that
0: ending it all as in like you're having you were having suicidal thoughts
1: yes yeah um because that's how that's how big and ugly i'd made it in my head yeah basically um and then after that for for a good a good couple of years um i was panicking every day i would drive to work and have this feeling in my stomach like somebody was going to find out and but I still had to pay the mortgage and I had to get the money for the bill. So again, that tension continued, um, for a long time. And, you know, I would, I would be the, like the VP of sales in the sales meeting with my team of guys. And I would be like crawling out of my skin to just like run out of the room the whole time. So it was very strange. Uh Um, I actually changed my job role from being vice president of sales to vice president of business development because that way I could hide and I didn't have um a team that were under me anymore I could just kind of be a lone wolf type character so I did that to like break some of the pressure but it was really just a a short-term fix to a bigger problem Mm -hmm. right
0: so were you uh seeking tools and support when when did that begin
1: um well I think you know for me um there's some real estate in my story there where I started to think, well, if I can't do this, how do I get derive an income? So I started to buy some rental properties, and that's probably how you and I our, our roads crossed yes. uh, the first time. Um and then I bumped into Philip McKernan along the way. I think I I think you might have been there actually. I went to a red shoe tour event yeah. in Toronto, probably at the end of twenty twelve. That's right. Um and um saw him speak and then then, uh, ended up going to a weekend workshop he had. But I distinctly remember a question that I asked him, which was, um, am I broken or is it my situation which is making me anxious? Um, My lifestyle which is making me anxious, which seemed like a ridiculous question when I asked it because I was feeling like I was broken. Um, And his response was very simple but changed my life, which was, um well why don't you change something in your life and see what happens <laughs> um so it was almost like and by this point I tried medication I tried psychologists and it wasn't feeling good but by this by that point it was like somebody else externally giving me permission to just change stuff um which is a lot of what I do with clients today is yeah. giving them permission and support and encouragement to, to to do something different to, to try and get a different outcome so that was the beginning of and that was that was the extent of our conversation like that was it and that was all I needed that was lighting the fuse for me to then go and leave my job which then made me consider investing some more time in my physical health um, which then made me consider like do I actually want to live in this area anymore and yeah. so we moved we moved and so it was kind of like um once I started making changes and feeling better I was kind of like oh my god what if I change something else and what if I do something else and and so that's kind of that was what got me started.
0: What what would you say were the most crucial things that you had to say no to to be able to say yes to what was next?
1: Um well a, as is often the way um like when I went to resign my boss basically tried to talk me out of it because I'd been doing a very good job of hiding my anxiety. And so they said, we really like you, you know, will you stay? Do you want more money? Which is often the retention tool is to offer people more money. Um, And so I could have done that and gone with stuck with the fear of, you know, what will people think or how will I hold this together if I go? Um, So, yeah, that was something I had to say no to. And I, Mm. I, you know, I had to say no to a lot of things. I had to say no to growing other business opportunities uh i had to say no to going going out and drinking as much because it just stopped becoming as much of a priority as it was for me to feel better
0: and what what did it make room for you to say yes to so you moved you started uh, investing in real estate you started going into personal growth
1: Mm. i think like all of those things are connected which is like you know, when I was run ragged, trying to hold everything together, I thought I was being um, unselfish. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought I was like taking care of everybody else. But the truth that I came to learn is, is that unless I take care of myself first, and put myself first in my own life, then I can't be, I I definitely wasn't a good dad or a husband or employee or friend or anything like I just was sort of, not doing well across the board, even though I thought intellectually, I thought that I was doing a good job. So all of the changes I made, the th- the thing which they all had in common is that um, it was all about getting back to taking care of myself first. You know, the mm. the put your own oxygen mask on um, thing really rings true because, you know, being healthier nutrition wise has, has now translated into the fact that Everybody in my health. Uh, everybody in my health. Everybody in my house eats very well yeah. as a result of me changing the way I eat. Because mm-hmm. I would go out and buy the food and cook it, and get really interested in new recipes. And then my wife got on board, and now my kids are on board. And so, you know,
0: that's a beautiful. Sometimes I'm, I would love to know the ripple effect that all these decisions have had. So you're mentioning the diets changing, mm-hmm. self care has changed. Uh, and impacted your your kids and your wife and your overall family Uh, what other things have you been noticing have have, have shifted
1: well yeah like the retreat type scenario so you know i was probably a person who would have said what are you talking about going off for four days on your own that's so selfish (laughs) um but i've done that i do that now myself every three months i'll I'll go somewhere and do something and, and so does my wife um because she she also realizes the benefit of and not with me like on her own like taking mm-hmm. time to just you know get up in the morning and eat food and have a shower and take care of yourself and and do whatever the activities are or whatever the thing is whether it's a yoga retreat or a surfing retreat or a personal growth type one it's just giving yourself permission to take care of you um isn't necessarily i mean when i was growing up i think a lot of the time the message would have been like, if you love yourself, that's being egotistical to say that you love yourself. Um, but we, we kind of need to, because, um, it's difficult for other people to love you. If you don't love yourself,
0: Yeah, no one else is going to do it for us. And we yeah. got to, we got to be with ourselves all the time, everywhere we go.
1: Right. I remember um, I heard something on the, on the radio or somewhere the other day. I think it was Kanye West. Somebody walked into his house and he has a picture of himself on the wall in his living room. And he's like a king with a oh crown God. and a robe. And somebody said to him, uh, why do you have that picture on the wall? And he's like, well, I'm, I'm my biggest cheerleader. He's like, if I'm not my biggest cheerleader, how can I expect anybody else to be?
0: That's huge. Yeah. No, I, I totally appreciate that quote. Mm. I get so it's that. like,
1: so yeah, so I think a lot of, you know, if we listen to the conditioning that we're given sometimes around, you know, be humble and don't, you know, it's almost like don't believe in yourself and don't give yourself too much credit and don't love yourself. Well, if you take those narratives and live with them 20 years later, you'll be, you know, you'll be uh, a nervous person who's not taking f- the full opportunity of life and i'm not saying you also need to have a picture of yourself as a king on the wall although i might do that now um because that sounds pretty cool but <laughs> as I you do... were saying that
0: i was imagining that in my house <laughs> my own my own framed picture of, of with a crown and a what is it a staff i don't even know what those yeah. are a, a, a scepter saber. scepter, a scepter. That's right. that sounds that sounds yeah. right it sounds epic Sounds good and so- a couple of
1: corgis running around um <laughs> No, but I think there's there's significance to that statement, which is I have felt over the last few years a shift in myself where I actually believe I have significant value, and I've never felt like that before.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and what are the things that 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 prove to you, or just show? Like, what are the what are the practices, or what are the ways of being that uh, kind of exude the fact that yeah, you you value yourself so much more than you used to.
1: I think um, a big part of it is, you know, derived through what we were just talking about. Some of which is coming to me for the first time in terms of that the, the amount of impact that that the nutrition mm-hmm. research and, and stuff I did on myself has had on lots of other people by now. But um, yeah, I think it's you know I really think that it's just a case of continuing to to put myself first and. And continuing to, to recognize that um, I'm worth it, you know, and, and some of the specific instances come from feedback from other people. But other times, it's just like a feeling I have inside where I'm on the right track, and I'm doing something which inspires me. And I think, you know, I do need to make money, I do need to derive an income to pay the bills. And the opportunity to to do that and help people at the same time i think is very very special
0: mm-hmm. and and what what do you think has been most uh influential or inspiring uh, as a maybe just as like a source of what energizes you and motivates you to to keep going
1: um yeah i think it's it's my community i think it's getting you know I, I'm, I'm lucky enough now to get emails from people on a um, almost daily basis but certainly a couple of big ones a week where i've these are people i've never spoken to in many cases who listen to the content that i produce mm-hmm. um and have taken that and run with it and made changes in their lives and some of them end up being paying customers and some of them um just listen and yeah. do it and and uh that's you know very exciting in both cases um so to get yeah. that is very cool and yeah. then to to be able to have conversations with my children where they where they recognized again old enough now to recognize that um, my job is helping people. I mean, my five year old who understands a little bit of it said to me the other day, um, "I'm really excited to go to school, Dad." And I said, "Yeah, well, why are you so excited to go to school?" He said, "Well, because then I can learn to help people like you do."
0: Wow. Wow that just like melted my heart a bit. Yeah. That's like the reason for everything almost feels right? like. So tell, yeah. tell us about the, the coaching that you're doing and how that kind of sprang up. How did that, was that from you being coached and then having that experience and then, or, or did you have natural conversations where you found yourself guiding or mentoring people or mm. what happened?
1: Yeah, I do believe in like uh and you and I have talked about this before like the the uh, prosperous coach book um yeah. where they say that you can only take people as deep as you've been before yourself and I think there's a lot of truth to that where you know experiences I've had um both with Philip and other people that I've worked with have become part of my practice um how can they not be if they shape me that much you know it's it's become part of my Vocabulary when it comes to helping people, uh, interspersed with my own expertise and knowledge and life and experiences, and and so yeah, I I literally I do believe in universal forces of like if you start talking about things then and and they're totally aligned and genuine that that things may show up and Mm -hmm. that happened that's happened to me with speaking and also when I started coaching I. I just started telling people, look, this is what I want to do and, and at the in those early days somebody said, Well, I know a guy who does what you want to do and uh maybe he can refer clients to you or something. So <laughs> I started I contacted this guy and said, Look, I'm you know, uh, I'm looking to get started. I'm at the beginning and he said, Yeah, let me refer some clients to you. Wow. Um, so so yeah, he referred people to me I would pay him a fee, like twenty percent of them income or whatever. And I I didn't care. I I was just happy to be doing it. Um, and then from there, I took that and built my own practice and built my own name and my own knowledge. And then people started to reach out to me. And then I started doing the podcast and more people started to reach out to me. And so it's, you know, it's, uh, and as I said earlier, it's a, a reflection of consistently delivering my message mm-hmm. time and time again week in week out even when i don't feel like it and and building that core base of listeners and followers that i can uh-huh. support and and provide information to
0: are there any other big lessons that you've that you've learned now that you look back
1: yeah one one that, that kind of came up for me as a realization fairly recently um is that in the early days, I I was still um, talking about what I thought other people wanted to hear. Mm. So I was producing content around well, people probably want to know about breathing techniques and you know stress in the workplace or you know uh, stress in relationships or anxiety with children. And so I was doing a lot of producing what I wanted, what I thought people wanted, and what I've realised that I've uh shifted to over time in a very gradual natural organic way is that now i just talk about stuff that interests me um and uh i remember
0: and it really shines through because you're genuinely interested and into it
1: yeah i love it i love psychology i love the human body and mind and spirit and all the stuff that goes into it so now it's just like hey that's really interesting i want to learn more about you know, like one of the people I'm trying to get on my podcast at the moment is a guy who wrote a book about, you know, prescription drugs in the last hundred years, uh. um, and how pre-prescription drugs people actually had a better outcome than when they started taking all this stuff. And so, anyway, it's just something that I'm passionately interested about because I want to shine more of a light on it. And so, I then start reading books and getting knowledge, and and then interviewing people. And it's just, yeah, it, people can f- I. I Somebody said to me once that the intention with which you create something, whether that's a video or a podcast or a blog post you write or a thank you card you write or a cake you bake for somebody, but the, the intention you have when you make it comes through in the mm-hmm. final product. Um, and so I think the more and more in touch with with uh, enjoyment and, and um, kind of – you know, just good feeling that it brings to you, then that's going to resonate with the right people that are listening to it.
0: You've come a long way, man. Going from having that maybe growing sense of this is not right for me and maybe and ignoring it for so mm. long and letting it build up to now where you're like just – you, you sound like you're so much more in tune with yourself and you're willing to follow – where what drives you what excites you and move towards the fear and and share of yourself and share of your story um mm-hmm. yeah that's that's really empowering
1: yeah i i love it and um you know like i said earlier i feel very privileged to be able to talk about this stuff and um i just you know i love learning and you know part of the learning is is that some days Uh, some days I just want to like check out and go to the movies and not record the podcast because it's raining outside or I've forgotten what I was going to talk about and it's just more difficult but those I believe that those times of resistance are actually the times when we we build the resilience you know when you get through that and you look back and you're like you know I remember distinctly for instance when I was in England last summer and I had to record three podcast episodes and my kids were in the house and it was really loud. So I went and did it in my rental car and I was, I obviously couldn't have the, there wasn't air conditioning cause it's England. They don't really do that. Um, and so I just sat in my car sweating, making podcasts into my microphone and, and I still created it with the love and attention and, and respect. But by the time I was finished, I was like physically exhausted and, you know, just looking back on that, that's a, a, a valuable, rich part of the experience and journey. And, and yeah. um, I'm glad I did it.
0: That speaks so much about who you are and how important this mission and this message is. Yeah, that's like the, the the real work. Amazing, yeah. man. So can you, can you tell us about uh, what to look out for c- coming next from you?
1: Yeah, I mean, a lot of the a lot of the the good stuff is out there. Obviously, the anxiety podcast, the anxiety journal, which is a physical product I created. Um, I'm very very um, excited about uh, my upcoming retreat, my next one, which is in at the end of June, June 22nd to 25th uh, on Bowen Island, which uh, is just off the coast of Vancouver in British Columbia.
0: How do they find, um, find out about that?
1: Yeah, so the the kind of Um, hub for all my stuff um, is just my my website is just my name timjpcollins.com or even easier potentially anxietypodcast.com they both end up at the same place if you want to connect with me on social it's just timjpcollins that's j for james p for peter um i'm on facebook and twitter and instagram and those sorts of things but yeah very excited about future retreats very excited about my the one-on-one work I do um I'm very excited about the the workplace stress initiative yeah um because you know the, the funny thing is as I said earlier it's all the same shit that we talk about <laughs> it's just when you're at work you kind of have to label it stress stress rather than anxiety because it's a bit more acceptable mm-hmm. um and it's it's a bit more palatable as an entry point but then when we get in there it's like okay what are you are afraid of let's like let's talk about it um so and and that's what people you know to as i said earlier to work for a company where they brought somebody in to help you with the struggle i think is is you know is hugely indicative of how valuable it is to that business and as you as an employee and uh and so i'm really excited to just continue to spread my message and continue to see where it goes
0: it's, it's been such an honor to have you on and, and for you to share your story and so many of your experiences uh, before we go do you have any recommendations do you have any final words to say a, a request of the people who are listening
1: yeah my my request if if you're listening to this and um, as you go through any struggle in your life is really to apply that curiosity to yourself um, because the truth is is that you having a persistent cold or you um being stressed out or anxious or whatever it happens to be in your life is mm. gonna be as a result of something else that's going on. So instead of mm. attaching too much focus to the symptom, go a bit deeper and say, I wonder why and, and and dig in a little bit and you'll find answers. They're there in in every conversation I have.
0: I love that. Just uh, just being curious about what's going on emotionally, physically, sensations and things like that. Such a yeah. great way to kind of uh, just to explore yourself and get, kind of get an understanding as opposed to just numbing it out and avoiding it. So yeah, really cool. Thank you yeah. so much, Tim.
1: Thanks for having me on. I'm excited, uh, excited to get the chance to be on the illustrious Oliver Manolis
0: show. <laughs> Very cool. It's been an honor and a pleasure, man. Thank you so much. Hey, everybody. It's Oliver. Before you take off, just wanted to invite you to my weekly newsletter called Oliver's Picks. This is my weekly recommendations for what I find educational, empowering, entertaining, and engaging. So if you're interested in a dose of goodness, inspiration, tools for growth, uh, different things like that, head on over to olivermanalise.com slash picks. As well, if you haven't already, I would really appreciate you heading on over to iTunes, giving us a five star rating, and writing a review for us. That would mean the world to me. That would support the show in helping us grow and getting the conversation out there. As well, if you're looking for the show notes for each episode and all episodes, you can find them at olivermaniles.com/slash show. If there's Any feedback or comments or questions that you have for me, I would love to hear from you at podcast at olivermanalise.com. And that is all. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk again soon.